Hey there, Merger Sport fans, and welcome to another episode of the NRL Show. I am not your host, that's my aunt Selena. My name is Salamu. I've been helping her with NRL research while I'm on school holidays. Three teams have the bye for round 20, which means we have seven matches ahead for the round to look forward to. So we have the match on Friday, three matches on Saturday, and three matches on Sunday, and we are not that far from finals. We saw some funny and interesting try celebrations in round 19, with perhaps the Canberra Raiders try celebration receiving the most viral visibility across the globe. Well, thank you, Salamo. In this episode, we talk about the men's State of Origin Game 3 results and our own review after the match. Also, we share our observations of the best and worst performances from Game 3 and the last round of the NRL. Spoiler alert, the New South Wales Blues won Game 3, although Queensland won the series. It's been an Origin week. Also in the Men's State of Origin Under-19s competition, which was played this week, our congratulations to the New South Wales Blues team and their win with a final score of 32-14. And for the Women's State of Origin Under-19s match, the Queensland Maroons secured a win over the Blues with a score of 20-14. And of course, we will share with you our tips and previews for the coming round. We hope you enjoy the show. All right, hello everyone and welcome to the Mojo Sports NRL show. We've got Gabby and Emma on the panel today. We are still without Lachlan. Gabby and Emma, how are you both doing? Good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, not bad, thank you. Yeah, very well. Um, not so good after last night's loss, but hey, we won the we won the series. That's all that matters. Okay, so with Origin over and all three of us supporting Queensland, let's take a moment to share our thoughts about that final game. It was only last night. It wasn't the 20-plus margin win uh, to Queensland, as the two of you hoped, but um, with a final score of 24-10 to 10, with the New South Wales Blues winning before a 75,000-plus strong crowd at Olympic Park, I guess the best place to start with is what we thought were the best moments and performances from the match. I'll start with you. Gabby? Yeah, I think it's hard to look past Bradman Best. I think he copped a lot of criticism for his selection, um, but I think he silenced the haters or the critics. He was outstanding, and I hope he gets a Blues jersey next year. Um, For Queensland, I think, uh, I don't know really what happened with Queensland last night. I guess we could dissect it a little bit, but they sort of took their foot off the pedal, I guess, and I don't know, it was odd to watch. I had Lindsay Collins as my best player for Queensland. He's been consistently good across all three games. But, yeah, those two players probably were a standout considering it was a New South Wales win. Emma, who did you have? Yeah, I think it's hard to pick a um, a best player for well, for either team, really. I think it's a good shout-out, Bradman Best. Um, I think Cody Walker as well really injected a lot into that game. And um, I was kind of watching it thinking, because he wasn't originally in my team list at the start, but I was kind of watching thinking, would we have won the series if this was the team um, that was picked in the first place? I think the the whole team was completely different. They had a lot um, a lot of fight in them. And I think that's what sort of it came down to in the end was Queensland looked, to me, looked a bit rattled. Like New South Wales was really just up off their line fast. Like we didn't have time to make any decisions of which way the ball was even going to go. There was already someone defending and they were really, really strong in that defense. And I think it really shook Queensland up a bit. And yeah, I don't know if it's just the the change of all the New South Wales players. Like was it seven different um, different players there? I think that's huge 
huge difference and not really what Queensland was expecting. And yeah, I think they did really well and um, full credit to them. I think, I don't know, maybe if they had have had that team in the first place, it would have been a very, very different series. So yeah, I think, I think they really deserved that win. Um, Yeah. They, they fought hard for it and can't really take that away from them. So yeah, good on them. What about, what do you think, Lenny? Yeah, look, I'm going to concentrate on um, New South Wales as to who I thought were perhaps um, like the better sort of players. I thought Brian Tall played really well. He had did a lot of work um, from him, like in attack and defence in the middle. Um, and even I think he scored a try, I'm just trying to recall. Um, and I also thought Stephen Crichton as well. He made some really critical tackles and plays that were like hugely in New South Wales' favour. So I actually saw before they took to the field, they had some footage of them sort of prepping um, you know, when you just sort of observe the different ways in which they uh, get ready for a match. And um, I could see his, like all of them, all of the entire New South Wales team just looked different compared to how they looked in game two and game one. They looked so much more focused. You know, having a look at the Queensland locker room, I saw that it was just a little bit more relaxed, um, I think. Um, like you talk about how they're a bit rattled. I mean, like certainly on the field, I thought they looked tired. Um, I don't know if they thought we've already done what we need to do and there's not much more <laughs> that's required of us. I don't know. But there were a few moments when it, I don't know what Dale Shavens was doing at some moments. Look, I said I was going to focus on New South Wales, but also Jake Trevojevic back in that team, the New South Wales team, you know, obviously like a big difference um, with the amount of work that he does. Certainly um, felt it on the field um, for a lot of those Queensland players. I think it also goes to show just how hard it is to win it by a sweep, like win the three games. Like I don't think we give him enough credit for that. Like it's almost, yeah, nearly impossible. And I think that's, I don't know, maybe New South Wales went in with the whole mentality of we've got nothing to lose and that brought out the best in them. Mm. But, yeah, maybe. What Do you guys think Freddie will be there next year now? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just joking. But you know what? Like when when that happens, it's like that's the final thing is you're thinking of, oh, yeah, they had a win. So yeah. um, <laughs> it could be. <laughs> I think if they ha- had lost this one, I, I didn't see him coming back. But now that they did get a win, I wonder whether he just doesn't want the drama he had this year, next year, because it was a lot. Like the media were quite savage, as were the fans, uh, about his selections from game one to game two and then to game three. Um, you know, uh, I feel like Brad Fittler's aged a lot more <laughs> this year than he has in previous years when he's uh, coached the team. And I saw last night they were asking Billy Slater the same. You know, do you do you think that um, you'll hang around and be coach for another? another year and he said oh well let's see how it goes you know he's he's trying not to give too much away but he says it's certainly a job he loves doing so I think that's a nice way of saying I still want the job and I'll still be here next year but I never felt from Brad Fittler that he's saying he wants to be around for another year with any of the comments that he's made. If he is there next year I just hope he can learn from the game they won by look what you can achieve when you shake it up a bit and don't rely on the combinations of Luai and Cleary, like good things can happen when you step outside the box. And I hope he realises that, like, yeah, me telling Brad Fitley how to coach, but like the proof's there. They won it last night and they won it in good fashion too. So I hope yeah, you can. Absolutely. 
I thought it was a bit of egg on my face, right? Remember how I was going on about how James Tedesco, nothing last game in game one. Same with Addo Carr, game one and game two and gets um, selected. It's like as if they tune into our podcast and it's like, who is this bird who keeps coming after us? And decided in game three they were going to pull everything out and prove me wrong. Well, yeah, okay, you shut me up, good on you, and you won. But, like, do it every game if you're an origin. Don't just do it for game three after everyone's been rubbishing you for the last two games. I feel like Teddy was still pretty quiet, though. Was that just me or? He had a better game than the two before, but it wasn't outstanding. Like it wasn't James Tedesco level. (laughs) All right. So were there any moments or players that didn't really quite meet up to your expectations um, or anything from that match in particular? Probably, and I think you guys will agree, the inclusion of Clint Clint Gutherson with three minutes to go, it was sort of like, Okay, like he was the last player to touch the ball. I noticed that. He like had the ball in the last tackle of the game. But I don't really know. I would have liked to see more of him. Like even 15 minutes would have been better than three. But, yeah, other than that, I thought it was pretty like substandard. It was it was good. New South Wales proved something. Queensland got the shield at the end of the day. Everyone was happy. <laughs> yeah, I thought that too. Um, and what I was wondering is, was that the plan all along? Was he like even meant to be playing um, or was he just there in case, did they learn from their game two that if a someone in the backs got, gets injured, like what are you going to do? He came on for Adokar when he came off with the hamstring. Like is that literally all he was there for, just in case that he could fill any of those positions there or were they planning to play him a bit longer? Because I think when it, when the game is going well for them, like maybe if Queensland was up, they might have tried to change it up, but um I guess when the game's going well like you don't want to mess with that as well but I'm just wondering what the thought process was behind picking him in the first place if it was literally just for that well a lot of people on Twitter were asking that to which I responded why did you know, why did Gatho get selected for origin when he only played three minutes and I responded with so the Warriors could beat the Eels a hundred percent that's so good <laughs> I mean like that made that's what it looked like to me but I mean such a slap in the face to all of the Eels fans who were missing Moses, you know, Regan Campbell-Gillard, as well as Clint Gutherson, you know, in that last round match. And then the Warriors just came in and, like, just flattened them all out with a victory. And and someone like Gutherson, who, like, even if Moses isn't around, is still able to rally, you know, a lot of the players together. But, yeah, it, it just feels like, so you took him away from his club to play him for three minutes, and that's what happened. Okay, good on you. Like, it's just, I just, yeah, like, I it just, I don't even know the thinking behind it, throwing Gutho in there. But anyway. Yeah, I'm still off it that Nico didn't get another run. That uh, just it blows my mind. To be honest. I saw Nico, I saw Nico there. He was yeah, walking around. Nathan, I saw him sitting next to Nathan Cleary. Like, there was a whole lot of them. Yeah, I saw him down on the field later trying to offer pizza to um, Munster um, when they came off. Water boy, pizza boy, same thing. <laughs> Yeah, it was bizarre. I thought, okay, so you anyway, <laughs> shouldn't you be preparing for the Sharks match that you've got against the Warriors, Nico? Anyway, <laughs> so I mean, look, looking at the game, I kind of felt that oh, I don't mean to be um, rough here, but Val Holmes really should have caught that ball when he um, um, was over in the uh, the try area. I just and you could actually see the look of disappointment on his face when he wasn't able to get his fingers on it. Um, for that try. And Jay Brimson, a few moments, I just thought he got caught out of position a bit 
bit too many times. Um, Xavier Coates, oh my gosh, I had so many notes about him that I ended up just tearing them up and throwing them away. Um, there were just, just so many moments where he just wasn't there or his defence was just a little bit lacking. But I think that's just going to um, come with time as he continues to be selected for the team. But perhaps the one player on the New South Wales side that probably annoyed me um, the most, in fact, it annoyed everyone in our lounge room as we were watching the game, was Regan Campbell-Gillard. Um, I cannot believe how much this person's tackles just were so obvious to us that they were a bit beyond technical tackles. Um, but, yeah, I guess that's that uh, savage, you know, cut, like cutthroat go-getter mentality that um, the New South Wales Blues really needed in order to win this particular game. But, yeah, he certainly brought that energy and uh, we saw it on our screens at home. Yeah, absolutely. Not to, like, pick on AJ or anything, but I think we really missed Reese out there. Um, he's a big, big inclusion that, um, yeah, that we saw in the first two games and we just didn't have that sort of X factor, I guess. Um, not that AJ really had a terrible game. There were some moments where I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, he wasn't. I mean, it was his first game. You can't pick on him too much, but, like, we definitely need Reese. <laughs> that was Gabby's star pick for fullback for the team. Remember? <laughs> I just think he had two biggest shoes to fill. Like, he was never going to bring what Reese could. I think it was a very much a Hail Mary for the Queensland side in terms of putting him there. Like, he did the job. Not well, but <laughs> better luck next year maybe. He's not going to get picked again. <laughs> for as long as Reese can contain himself, he's got the spot for, for good. Yeah, absolutely. And another, this is just completely hypothetical, but I feel like because they did have such a good couple of games, um, the game was very centred um, to his style of play too. Like they had him as the energy. And I wonder if it was... Um, like we had this discussion right at the start, whether it was Kalen or Reese. I think maybe if Kalen had have played the first two games and then AJ come in replace, I think it would have been different. Like it would have been different because just the style of play that Kalen has, it's it's he's a gun player, but he do, he doesn't have that same aggressiveness that Reese has, which sort of fed the game in a different way. If that makes sense, like AJ coming in probably wouldn't be have been as different. Hundred percent. Didn't we see it last year? Didn't Ponga play and then? Like I feel like it happened before. Ponga played and then AJ Brimston had to replace him for a game at some point. I know exactly what you're saying. It's just a standard that's been set and they shaped yeah. the first game and probably their camp around the spine, which had Reese Walsh in it. And it's like when that really like sort of aggressive, like fired up player can kind of set the tone for everybody else. And if that's not there, but you haven't been practicing it without it there, it's just kind of, I don't it know. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what it looked like. It just looked like they were really struggling to find the energy or the um, the hunger and just kept making mistakes. And everywhere where they looked, there was always the defence was up there rather than going to them. Yeah, and I wonder if it had anything else. I don't know whether that's pretty minor, but Harry Grant started at hooker, mm. not Ben Hunt. Like I wonder did that do anything because Ben started game one and two. I don't know, that's very minor. Yeah, I really like um, Harry Grant, but I feel like he did have a few errors, didn't he? Yeah, that's yeah. what I mean. They all seemed, yeah, really dishevelled or something. Yeah. I mean, we still won the series, so yeah. I'll hold on to that. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Also, just one more thing that I was thinking of. How good would it be if the, first of all, if the girls played three games, but second of all, if the girls' final game was the opener for the boys' game. So if it is, if the series is already won by one of the teams, at least it's a decider for the other team. And it's kind of like you get a two-for-one special, like you're still going to see them both, but one of them, like you don't know what the outcome is. Like Hypothetically, though, that's a brilliant idea. That yeah. would be sellout. That would be yeah. extreme. And then you're not just like, because it's so unlucky for people. Like I had friends that were going to the third game and they were like, oh, hopefully we lose the second game. So then it's at least like, you know, like it's at least it's exciting. But if you're, if you're going there and at least the girls are the decider, like it's still, I mean, it's still exciting, but not as much if you already know the outcome. And give the girls three games. Yeah. Immediately. Yeah. <laughs> I want three games. You know, that'd just be great like, just to take, you yeah. know, friends and family to. Yeah, exactly. We all want it. They want it. Let's do it. What are we waiting for? All right. Well, thank you both. Was there any last comments about Origin at all? Or is it done and dusted? We'll just save it all for next year. I think she's done. I think... <laughs> What an origin, though. How good. I think it's safe to say we're all happy. Lachlan might not be and all the New South Wales people might be, but we're happy, so that's all that matters. All right. So origin chat's over. Now it feels like a while ago now, but, you know, round 1940 has um, been gone. Uh, I know we three were on the chat sort of discussing the upsets um, of the round, but it was perhaps the Gold Coast Titans versus Dolphins match that we were watching pretty closely. Um, But just a round of our tips from the last round. Interestingly, every away team won their match in the past round. So strangely, um, as I'm used to coming nowhere near first, I actually got four out of five in my tips. Um, But the perfect score was marred by the Bulldogs upset over South, which was the case for all of us. Emma, you were a point behind getting three out of five. It was the Titans lost to the Dolphins that got you. <laughs> uh, Gabby, you coming in at two out of five. The Eels got smoked by the Warriors. What a lovely dish that would be for a Warriors fan. And I recall you saying how the Warriors broke your heart a little bit from the week prior. So did either of you have any comments about your calls at all? Well, um, I remember saying that I was struggling to pick between the Titans and the Dolphins. And, um, yeah, it could go either way. And it was really that with Golden Point um, win there. So crazy. I regret picking Parramatta, that's for sure. I I was so dirty on that, but anyway, I'll, I'll take it. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, and also the Bulldogs, I do remember saying, even though I wasn't going to tip them, but if that they were going to get a win, that was the week to do it. So they took that and ran with it. Gosh, they played really well. <laughs> like, Crazy. yeah. They weren't the only team, um, but let's do a quick uh, roundup because there's a nice little segue here. Let's do a review of round 19. Uh, team or player best performance? I'll start with you, Emma. Um, yeah, I had the Bulldogs, but specifically Toby Sexton. I think he was a great inclusion for them. He only just, I think he got like maybe two training sessions with them joining the new team and thought he played really well. And I think they are going to be pretty excited to have him and have a bit more um Maybe a bit more of a chance. I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah, he played really well, so giving it to Toby. I had the Warriors collectively. I thought they were so exciting, but particularly Jackson Ford and Luke Metcalf. I thought they were so good, and it just makes me want to watch the Warriors, like, all the time. Like, I do anyway, but it's just they're so good just of late. And, yeah, keep it coming. 
they can be like your third favorite team. Yeah, yeah, they get um, <laughs> So even even though the Titans lost, I thought Jaden Sullivan played a great game um, in that match. But the best team was for me the Warriors. They were great. I did expect them to win, but look, I had the Dolphins um, circled here because I thought it was a pretty gritty and exciting match to watch. Um, but I think it'd be quite remiss of me to not give some credit to the Canterbury Bulldogs, um, even though they didn't, uh, I mean, like, I think our expectations are really low <laughs> about what that was going to look like, but they they really wanted it and they came out and they showed they really wanted it. So, you know, good on them for taking down South Sydney. I think South Sydney fans were surprised, shocked, maybe maybe even just stunned. Like it just caught them by surprise. But I guess it shows who their strong players are that um, keeps them going each week. What I have, special mention to the Dragons. Just <laughs> watching that last match. I'm one of those people that watch and go for the underdog, but <clears throat> that my, my work, and I was hoping that the Warriors would move up the uh, ladder. Um, but, yeah, the Dragons actually were able to pull something together. A few of those combos, they didn't get the win, but it was better than what they have been lately, and they were actually able to show that they could put up a fight without Ben Hunt there. Unfortunately, they couldn't get the win, but it was actually just good to see that they were excited about playing footy because um, for a while there, they didn't look like they were wanting to be there. They were just going through the motions. But, yeah, I thought they looked pretty good. For a minute there, I thought they were going to get the win. Yeah, I was hoping. All right. So, okay, those are your best. Um, any of your worst under par, sub, sub, Optimum level performances. I've got the eels. Don't really have anything more to say about it, but just yeah, pretty sad for them. But I don't care because I was hoping that the Warriors would get it. <laughs> no, I I said the eels as well. Even though they were missing a lot of players, it makes me kind of nervous in terms of like you wouldn't want to lose anyone moving into the finals because they kind of just lose it all together, Parramatta. But we'll see. I had Titans probably worst team for me because they kind of proved us right. They are the second half losers. Um, I also thought that Aaron Clark being offside inside 10 metres in golden point time, I mean, like that's honestly a basic rookie error and you don't really expect that from someone at a professional level. Um, I saw Kieran Foran arguing with the ref, uh, but that wasn't going to help, something that we could all see. But, yeah, damn shame that they they, they lost that match. But still, (sighs) Titans, it, it just seems to be, never-ending um, for those guys um, that they're unable to sort of secure that second half. That was my worst. As you said, though, such a rough way to lose after they feel like they put up such a good fight all the way and then <laughs> to lose by that in Golden Point, heavy. So there are three teams with the buy this week. They are the St. George Illawarra Dragons, South Sydney Rabbitohs and Canberra Raiders. Uh, we've got a match Friday, we've got three on Sunday and three on Sunday. So let's get into the previews for the matches ahead. The first on Friday being the Newcastle Knights, who are hosting the West Tigers in Newcastle for an 8 p.m. match. So the Knights are only three points outside of the top eight. The Knights are coming off a big win against the Bulldogs, where they put on a score of 66 to nil. And the Tigers were only in recent rounds on the end of a 74 nil scoreline against the Cowboys. It's kind of an interesting one, this matchup, but let's get into the teams. So for the Knights, 
There's only one change to the side that beat the Bulldogs in round 18, and that's Dane Gagai. So he's back from his foot injury, and so he's he'll be starting at centre, which means Inari Tuali will move out as a result. So Bradman Bess and Jacob Saifiti are expected to play with a short recovery from Origin 3. Who knows? Um, but we also have Heimel Hunt, who's listed among the reserves, as he closes in on a return from knee injury, maybe. So for the Tigers, Uppy is expected back on deck. Api Corusel, I don't know if many of you remember, he broke his jaw back in round 15. Uh, I think it was on the end of a Tino football. Uh, therefore, with Api back, that means Jake Simkin moves to the bench. Alex Twole is returning from his suspension, but he will be starting on the bench too. Also, that means that um, Aitasi James and Talon De Silva will drop out of the squad. Among the reserves, the Tigers have listed Brent Maiden. <clears throat> Hopefully, he won't be needed. I think the team actually looks pretty strong. Um, but Dane Laurie, who is apparently recovered from a quad injury, is named as the 18th man. This is an unusual matchup for me. It feels <laughs> like I feel like it's quite predictable, but also unpredictable in other ways because I guess with Uppy back, um, sometimes he brings that extra energy to the Tigers team. Uh, the Knights... Look, Kalen Pong is going to be playing his 100th game for the club, so he'll be looking to obviously get a win on the back of that particular milestone. So for this, I'm actually going to comfortably tip that it's going to be a Knights win, um, only because they seem to be in better form um, and with very few changes. Their side is, you know, largely unchanged um, with that uh, side that trounced um, the Bulldogs in that last round. Also, the Tigers have been sort of struggling a little bit. And I guess with Uppy back in the mix, it may just sort of be a bit unsettled um, with him back. Also, the Knights, they haven't won consecutive games all season. So even though they won that um, match, you know, a couple of rounds, uh, last round, you know, there's no guarantee that they'll be able to back up that performance with another win. But they have won their past three games against the Tigers. So, the Tigers aren't looking too good at the moment, sitting at the bottom of the table. They've conceded 166 points in their past four games. I don't know whether you guys think I'm being um, especially cruel here, but it feels rather simple to me that this would be a, a Knights uh, win. Although there have been times when I thought the Knights would win against other teams and they didn't. But, you know, not to sound like I'm being um, sort of a bit vague about it, but look, it, it looks like it's going to be a night's win, but the Tigers could could actually come out and disappoint if they really want to. Yeah, I think you made some really good points there. That's kind of the same feeling I have with it. First glance, I'm thinking, yeah, easy nights, but both teams are just so unpredictable and it's just it's just weird. It's just a weird season. Bradman Best, I think he played such an incredible game on Wednesday. And honestly, if it was me, I probably wouldn't want to play him just because do you really want to risk injuring him and go the rest of the season without him? I don't know if whoever replaces him is going to be able to live up to what he is there, but I still think that the Knights is probably a stronger side than the Tigers. Um, but maybe with Appy back, might give them a bit of a boost. Um, as you said, like it could could potentially go either way. It could be a, just a weird shock, but I think I'm going to tip the Knights. What about you, Gabby? Yeah, it's, there's something about the Tigers and the Dragons that it's like at any point in time they could just surprisingly win. They're like a ticking time bomb and it's like could this be the game where they just pull the rabbit out of a hat and 
get the win. It makes me nervous every time. It's like you take this big risk on a team that's at the bottom of the ladder. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to go the Knights, but who knows with the West Tigers, they're just, yeah, they could they could do it. They could easily just do it. And But, yeah, I think Caelan Pongat, 100th game for the Knights, that'll be a bit of an occasion for them. So I think they'll turn it up. I feel like we're doing a disservice to Lachlan here because he would go through and give a real analysis on, um, you know, some of the decisions that Tim Sheens has made and Benji Marshall has to what the team looks like at the moment. <laughs> but yeah, it, does, it doesn't look like the positions have been shifted around too much from the last, um, obviously with the return of Uppy. And there's several players here that have actually been performing well. They just, haven't been able to consistently perform. But when you see them alongside a team like the Knights, I mean, you've got names like Dominic Young, um, you know, Greg Marju, Jackson Hastings, those guys, Phoenix Crossland, by the way, for the Knights, you know, underrated player, great worker, great performer. So he's the hooker um, on for the Knights. And he is just one of these guys who I feel like consistently turns up each week. And there are more of there are more consistent players that turn up in the Knights than do for the Tigers, if you know what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. That's all we have to say about that. Lachlan, like, rolling his eyes and listening to it. <laughs> the funny thing is Lachlan would probably still tip the Knights. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. He would go in and be more critical about the Tigers than any of us, and we'd be like, no, come on, Lachlan. <laughs> And then Lainey would feel bad and tip the Tigers. <laughs> oh, now I'm feeling bad like I should tip the Tigers. No, me. no, we'll just go with the night. <laughs> Everyone's on board. <laughs> All right. Thank you both. All right. So uh, Super Saturday. So we've got three games for Saturday. Uh, we've got the Canterbury Bulldogs taking on the Brisbane Broncos at 3 o'clock over in Belmore on Saturday. Emma, this should be a pretty great match to watch. Look, it could be something that we absolutely expect it to be because it's going to be a walkover, it's going to be exciting, or we could be surprised. What can we look forward to? Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm half expecting it to be a walkover, but I'm also... I don't know. Again, same similar weird vibes with this one that I feel like some upsets are going to happen this round, but we'll see. So uh, the Broncos are coming off a bye, but before that they did have a good win against the Dolphins and they're sitting second on the ladder, whereas the Doggies are sitting 15th currently. So they really need to to win this game and then every other game <laughs> if they want to come even close to the top eight. The um, Bulldogs got the upset last week, which I think shocked a lot of people, including myself, even though I did say that that was the week for them to get a win if they were going to get one. I still didn't really expect it. So good on them. Um, Yeah, I guess we'll just have to see if they can do that for the second time. So for the Bulldogs, um, Adokar has been named back up after Origin, but I'm thinking the fact that he came off in that last three minutes and it looked like his hamstring Um, There's been no updates to the team list, but I don't know if that'll come out soon, but it just seemed like he had a hamstring issue there and surely they wouldn't want to risk it if he does. Um, But I I could be wrong there. If he does play, Jacob Kraz will shift to centre and last round's debutant Ethan Quirewood will drop out of the squad. Blake Wilson, who scored three tries last week, will keep his spot on the wing. 
Ryan Sutton is out with a neck injury, so Raymond Fatala Marina will take his place at prop, and Corey Woodell is the new lock. For the Broncos, Corey Jensen will be starting in the place of Payne Haas, who injured his ankle in the game against the Dolphins. Jesse Arthurs has been added to the bench. Kurt Capewell is returning from his quad injury. Paddy Carrigan, the sole surviving Bronco at Origin, has been listed in the reserves, which will give him a couple of days rest, and I guess they can decide uh, if they want to play him or not, but I don't think we'll see him. Corey Oates was set to make his 200th game, but has been injured in training, and it looks like a meniscus injury. So, yeah, I really feel for Corey. He's been playing some great footy lately, but it just seems like he can't catch a break with um, all the injuries he's He's had over his whole career, I guess, but especially this season. The team list, as I said, hasn't been updated yet, but I'm guessing we'll maybe see Dane Mariner come in from the reserves to replace him, but not confirmed. As I said, the Bulldogs did a great job of proving everyone wrong last week and um, against an almost full-strength Broncos team, I think it'll be a little bit more of a trouble than they had last week. Like Last week was a bit different situation, so I'm not very confident in the Bulldogs to be able to do it, but they, um, if they are going to do it, they'll have to come out strong and really tighten up their defense. They've conceded 180 points in their last four matches. So unless they work on that, the Broncos could really run away with this one. I'm thinking the Broncos are currently leading tackle breaks with 685 this season and the Bulldogs only 494 Bulldogs have only won two of their last 10 games at Belmore and the Broncos have won their past four games against the dogs. So to me, it looks really stacked towards the Broncos, but as I said, if the Bulldogs are really fighting to not be on the bottom, then, um, yeah, they could surprise us all. I think the Broncos pretty easily too. I think, yeah, I'm hoping that they can just continue on for the rest of the season and not have, because there's always that chat around they had a second half of last season that didn't go in their favour. And I think now Origin's done, just make the run home and get it done. And I think they can do it. And I think here's a good start. Yeah, well, I think, Emma, you called um, Broncos to be your grand final <clears throat> sort of team. Um, yeah, I'm still, I'm still standing there. Um, like Gabby said last week, last year, this is kind of the point where they dropped off. But I'm hoping this, this year it's going to be different. Um, yeah, and also to your point about Corey Oates, I feel like his injury run is just reminding me of Brent Tate when um, he was going through like just injury after injury. Um, but oh, yeah, I hope he recovers soon. I'm pretty confident it should be Broncos. Um, I don't think the Bulldogs are going to come back and do the same to the Broncos that they did last week. So quite comfortably, I'm, I'm going to say Josh Adokar is probably going to be one of two things. He'll be one, too tired after Origin to put in the energy for this. Um, or that injury is going to hang around longer, or two, he's going to back up and, you know, be like buoyed off the origin win and come out. Because one thing we have certainly seen about the Queensland players, you know, after a win, they all come back to club and they play fantastic. So it, we might see sort of, I don't know, remnants of that with the New South Wales um, representative players. I don't know, though, but I can say that Toby Sexton played pretty well last week. And, you know, if they can sort of pull everything together like they did, I'd still see Broncos winning, but I think it's going to be probably a nice uh, tight margin between them rather than um, like the walkover that, it, that you know, that I think looks predictable that it will be. Thank you, Emma.
Well, well, well. The second match for Saturday is at Brookvale Oval with the Manly Sea Eagles hosting the North Queensland Cowboys. Emma, this is what I might call the marital match for your household, your husband's team up against your team. Manly is 10th on the ladder and the Cowboys are just ahead on them on ninth. I imagine this is going to be a must-win match for both these teams if they're holding on to hope of making the finals over the next few weeks. Emma, will it be you or your husband coming away with a smile after this match? Yeah, funny you should say that. We've had Origin and then this match, so this week is really going to test our marriage. (laughs) Um, He was smiling last night, but hopefully it's me on the weekend. Both teams are fresh from the bye, so I think that'll really be, well, it's good for both teams, I guess, but they've also both have a lot of players in Origin. Well, Cowboys had seven um, and Manly only two, but I think two of their best players. I guess you can say. Um, so Daily Cherry, Cherry Evans and Jake Dubovic are going to be monitored after Origin to see whether or not they will play. But Jake Arthur has been named in the reserves to take Daly's place if need be. And Josh Alloye could be starting if for Jake if we need it. Um, Dean Madison will make his NRL debut in place of Je- Ben Trebojevic, who's injured his hamstring for, I think, the fourth time. So... <laughs> He's also had a bad run. I guess those Trebojevic brothers and their hamstrings is not not ideal. Um, but, yeah, that's the main changes for Manly. And then for the Cowboys, Todd Payton has actually named the same 17 that came out and destroyed the Tigers. As I said, coming back from origin, though, we've got the seven players that uh, have been named to play. But I don't know. That just really makes me nervous and I – kind of would rather that they <laughs> rest at least a few of them. Things could change before then, or they'll just play them all and fingers crossed we get no injuries. But Brandon Elliott, Sam McIntyre, Carl Felt, Jermaine Tonnell Brown, Zach Laybutt, Riley Price and Ben Hampton are all in the reserves. So if there is any issues there, um, yeah, I guess they've got a fair few to pick from. The Cowboys have won two of their away of their eight away games this season. So I think a rocky start to the season um, didn't really help there, and I could probably blame that, but they don't travel that well. But the Sea Eagles have won four of their past five games against the Cows. So another stat a little bit stacked against the Cowboys. Manly have won six of their past seven games at that venue as well. I still, obviously, I'm going to go the Cowboys, um, and they are actually surprisingly the favourites in this game, but Something's telling me that Manly will come out and um, and take the win. But, yeah, I don't know. I think it's just it's just really – I'm really in my head about the, the Origin boys. Like seven players is quite a lot. And um, whether they all play and whether they can play well um, is, yeah, just what's really on my mind at the moment. But, yeah, how are you guys feeling about this game? Well, I was going to ask you – what your opinion was on the travel of the Cowboys because that's the only thing I'm hesitant about and you answered my question but yeah like they don't travel that well but I think they just also just had a a rocky start like I don't know they're not the best travelers to say that (laughs) I think I'm going to back them mainly I'm less confident in Manly than I am in the Cowboys the only doubts I have around the Cowboys they've been having a tremendous run at the minute and hopefully they can just build on that confidence. I'm just a little bit nervous that they are going like they're traveling, but 
if they can do it, then my gosh, here come finals for the Cowboys. Yeah, because they they don't have a very good away record. You know, this this doesn't look good for them. A smart person would say go for the uh, the Eagles, but I'm going to go for the Cowboys. Did you all the wrong way because the Cowboys and uh, I don't know, <laughs> like they're just they should be like they should win. They're the favorites, but I don't know why I'm so nervous about tipping them this round. <laughs> Manly have had like what loss, win, loss, loss, win, right? If you go back to their past five, and the Cowboys have got four straight wins, and they've had guys away at um, Origin, and then they've come back. They're actually able to stump up a team and still win. Um, So I have much more confidence in them being able to um, get a win. It'll be good if they do. And I wonder also if the fact that they lost, um, that we lost Origin, like if that's going to fire them up a bit more too, like those all all those seven are all playing or not actually sorry not they're not all the same team some of them um recent Scott were out with New South Wales but I don't know maybe that'll add a little bit of fire to the to the flame I don't know. bit of fire to the flame <laughs> uh, you know what I meant fuel <laughs> to the fire <laughs> that's what I meant can that please be the title of this episode no uh all right so it sounds like we're all we're all cowboys then yeah uh, I'll be watching that match very closely. <laughs> I'll be sleeping outside. <laughs> uh, I, I hope they win for you, Emma, because you know you can't can't have the Blues win and then have Manly exactly. win. Can't have. <laughs> Thank you, Emma. So the final match for Saturday is out at the SCG. It would be remiss of me not to mention, as I know Lachlan would, that the last rugby league match that was held at the SCG was in 2008 when Australia defeated New Zealand in the Centenary Rugby League Test for the score of 28 to 12. Anyway, for this match, the Sydney Roosters changed venue to host Melbourne Storm for the primetime match, and the Roosters have had an ordinary season so far and are at 13th place on the ladder, with many thinking their finals hopes are dashed. However, the Storm sitting at fourth have been within the sights of adjacent hungry teams. Gabby, the last time these two sides met, it was a convincing victory from the Storm with a 28-8 scoreline. Is it likely to be a similar disappointment for Roosters fans? I certainly hope so. This will be good. This will be the, um, I'm pretty sure of this last game, the last time these two met, my uncle said that he'd get a Billy Slater tattoo, but won't hold it to him again this game. Um, so both sides are coming fresh off buyers this week. The Roosters only really have two months to prove that they're worthy of making the finals, whether they can or not. They've had a very hot and cold start to the season and they're currently in 13th place. So they're compared to Melbourne, as you mentioned, Laney, they're hovering around the top four with a lot more consistency than the Roosters. But I think their last loss to Penrith, it would have been a little bit of a wake-up call, I think, and showing them that there's still areas of improvement that they need to work on before September, definitely. So this week for the Roosters, though, they welcome back hooker Brandon Smith, who's been who is returning from a stint on the sideline with a thumb injury. Fellow hooker Jake Turpin and forward Egan Butcher are back in the side after they both suffered head knocks, as are Billy Smith and Joseph Suali'i, who they clashed in a friendly fire incident at training ahead of round 18, and they were both stood down, but they're good to go this week. 
James Tedesco and Lindsay Collins have been named to back up from Origin 3 with just a three-day turnaround. Uh, for Melbourne, Justin Ollum and Remus Smith are both set to play their 100th NRL game this weekend. Will Warbrick has been named to return after picking up a head knock in round 18 and he served his mandatory stand down through the bye. Marion Seve has been named among the reserves as he nears a return from a jaw injury. And Queensland stars Harry Grant, Xavier Coates and Cam Munster have all been named to back up again with only a three-day turnaround, as I mentioned. So it'll be interesting to see how fresh the origin reps will be for both sides with only basically a 72-hour turnaround. Um, but with all the other players on both sides being well-rested from the buys, hopefully that will even it all out. I'm obviously going to back Melbourne, um, but I think this game will be pretty scrappy. It can get pretty fiery between the two teams, particularly with the middles and the likes of JWH and Nelson. I think it'll be very interesting. I just don't think, I don't, I don't know what the Roosters can actually bring to the table that will be effective at the minute though. Like I, I tried to come up with some philosophical reasoning as to why I'm backing Melbourne, but it's just because they're the better side at the end of the day. I think that's all I can say. Um, even with the return of Brandon Smith, I think it's like we're far enough into the season to say that he really hasn't had much of an impact at the Roosters this year compared to what he's done at what he did at Melbourne, which is disappointing. Like I hope that he can find that again somehow. Maybe coming up against his old team might bring out something in the cheese, but. I doubt it. I just, yeah, like roosters, what have they got? Like, I just, I don't know. And what do you think? Yeah, I think this is um, an easy storm for me, but roosters are another one of those teams that just do weird stuff. <laughs> I think it's going to be storm and I think it's going to be, like you said, a scrappy game, but I think in the end they'll probably run away with it a little bit um, or I could be completely wrong, um, but that's just how I'm feeling. Brandon Smith, I held on to him in Supercoach for so long because I didn't want to waste my trades. And then I finally was like, no, nah, he's never coming back and sold him a few weeks ago. So hopefully he doesn't um, do well enough for me to cry. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a storm for me. I don't really know what's going on at the Roosters, but it's not winning. And I don't know why. Oh, I just wish they would just duck out of the season altogether. Sorry. It, I mean, like, like I've often thought about, like, there's 17 teams and we've got, like, top eight and then we've got, like, the bottom nine or whatever. And then, and then like, it's, like, it's pretty clear to us now who the top eight teams are going to be. And all of these teams at the bottom, either just go and play your own competition and work out who the winner is um, or get relegated. But it just feels like they're now just wasting um, club resources, time, money and fan money um, when it's pretty predictable right now that they shouldn't be there. And I know that sounds really cruel, but it, it's kind of a fact here for Roosters. They had big hopes coming in. Um, you know, they signed some people, they're losing some people. You know, the coach is probably under a bit of a cloud as to what his future looks like with the way his team's been performing. It's like, it's just not a good season for you guys, Roosters. I'm sorry. Might have to change my tip to the Roosters because every time that you say about how bad someone's playing, they must be listening and come out to prove you wrong. So, <laughs> no. <laughs> I actually agree with your point on like the ladder. It's almost like all we're really waiting for is eight, nine, and 10 to see Mm. if anyone can contend between eight, nine, and 10 to get up into the top eight. The rest, it's like pack her up, you're done. Come on, Cowboys, (laughs) let's go. We're nine, I think. 
<laughs> yeah, well, they are, they're contenders and they're proving to be, whereas the roosters, it's sort of like... Pretender. Pretender yeah, is what yeah. they are. Which is exactly right. Thank you, Gabby. So there is still some time for the team lineup to change for this match at Mount Smart Stadium on Sunday as the Warriors are taking on the Cronulla Sharks for the second time this season. So the last time they faced up... It was at Shark Park and with all the rain, but the only rinsing was of the Sharks' pride in front of the, their fans as the Warriors put them away in a scrappy but very entertaining match, winning 32-30. to 30. I recall the Warriors coming back from what looked like a definite loss um, and at halftime, but, yeah, they really stole that second half and won the game. So to the teams, for the Warriors, Sean Johnson's child has not arrived. I haven't seen anything on Instagram yet about baby arrival. So there really is no certainty of him playing. So yes, this baby is still in the oven. <clears throat> so he's a 50-50 for this particular match. Dylan Walker, he's been named to play. Um, so he suffered an arm injury back in that Rabbitohs match, you know, the one they lost in Auckland. Um, and Josh Curran is back from his two-game suspension, which means that Mitchell Barnett moves to the front row. And so that means Bunty, a four, will end up out of the squad. So for the Sharks, the same squad that defeated the Tigers in round 19 has been named for this particular round. So prop Braden Hamlin Wille, he's back from a rib injury. So he's named amongst the reserves. He might be back, may not be um, called upon. And um, Dale Finucan, he's serving the final week of suspension. So that means Cameron McGuinness will um, be over playing at lock again. Look, Warriors are at sixth place. Sharks are on third, you know. Interestingly, the Sharks are coming in as a favourite. It is over in Auckland, which to me feels like a bit of an advantage for the Warriors that they would perhaps have been named the favourite. Um, without Sean, <clears throat> look, he is 50-50. But I guess the good thing is it is at home. So if baby arrives, he can just get in the car and head over there. Um, but I think um, something to consider is that, you know, Sean is often quite instrumental. He he was the difference in that last match in which um, they had beaten the Sharks. It was all about attitude for that particular uh, matchup. Between these two teams, you know, look, I can say that there has been probably better stats in the Sharks' um, favour. I mean, like they've had a lot more wins. Um, they have really good completion rate. They do have great defence Um um, efficiency, but I f- this feels like a momentum going towards the Warriors for me. I feel like because it's at home, the crowd's going to come out really strong. They have been sharpening up a lot of that defense um, and attack issues um, that they have sort of like suffered, especially when they were leaking a few tries on that one side. And the Sharks, predictably, in that Tigers match, they did exactly what I said. They were just like working on that right-hand side that they were going to go for um, and like working at their combinations. I have a feeling this is going to be a close match. I do think the Warriors are going to win. And I think it's only going to be much like the last game that we, that the two of them face up. It's only going to be about two to six points um, in, in the final score. I, I It's a bit difficult for me to say it's going to be a Sharks match because Sharks are travelling and the Warriors are not. Yeah, I want to go Warriors. Um, I think they are very evenly matched, but the fact that it's at home, Warriors have actually won just as many. So I was just looking at the ladder, and even though Warriors are behind like three places, they've actually both won 10 games. So it's just that the um, Sharks have had a bye, and that's um, yeah, that's why they're ahead. I I think it's resting for me on Sean Johnson, whether he plays or not. I think he's pretty instrumental there. And 
might look a lot different if he's not playing, but otherwise, yeah, I'm going to go Warriors. Yeah, me too. I think the Warriors were outstanding last week against Parramatta and I think it they can keep that ball rolling. I think the Sharks won't travel well over there and I think it will be easy Warriors actually. Every time I think that it's an easy Warriors, they lose. I actually thought that they would have beaten Souths and they didn't and that was at home. And like last week, I was a little bit unsure about the Eels and then they just beat them easily. All right. Well, thank you both. Um, Emma, on Sunday, we see your soft spot. Other favourite team, the Dolphins, host the Penrith Panthers out at Redcliffe. Last week, we were deep in discussion about the Dolphins, um, about their season and their fitness and preparedness against the Titans. Jeez, what a game that was to watch. I'm actually a little bit disappointed because I'll already be back in Sydney and miss the chance to see this match live. So the Panther faithful crowd won't be there to cheer them on, but I do know there are a lot of Panther supporters here in Brisbane that will turn out to support them. So for a mid-afternoon Sunday match, I can only describe this in Brisbane as an absolute plum time of day for footy. Emma, Panthers are top of the table and Dolphins are 12th. Can we expect a David and Goliath type performance in this match? Yeah, I think we we might be able to expect that. Um, I know it's a, a huge, <laughs> huge uh, odds against Dolphins, but we saw that in the first ever game, and we I've seen we've seen that throughout the season as well. A lot of the times when we're ready to go against the Dolphins and um, matches that we really don't think that they can win, they come out and prove everyone wrong. So, yeah, I wouldn't um, I wouldn't write them off just yet. They did uh, end their losing streak this weekend with the Golden Point victory over the Titans, and the Panthers were fortunate enough to have a buy as four of their players were away on origin duties. As you said, Laney, it's a home game for the Dolphins and I think that their fans will be out in full force on Sunday afternoon and I think that's something that they really thrive on and helps them get home. The exciting news for the Dolphins is that Felice Kafusi is returning to the second row after missing the last game on concussion protocols. This shifts Kenny Bromwich to prop and Mark Nichols to the bench. Josh Kerr will then be the 18th man. Hamiso Tabuafado has been named, but Bennett's got him in the Senate and he's keeping Cody Nikarima at fullback. I'm not sure if that's kind of just a, what they put out in the team list before Origin and not what's going to play. We'll see how it actually, how they run out on the field. I'm not too sure what's what's actually going to happen there, whether he even plays at all. But at the moment, yeah, it's Cody Nikarima at fullback and the Hammer in the centres. Yeah, I think Bennett's usually pretty smart about playing um about his players like backing up for origin. He usually, I think, is a little bit more on the side of caution. Branko Lee is in the reserves, hoping to make a comeback from his ankle injury soon. Uh, I don't think we'll see him just yet, but he is there getting closer. Harrison Graham will remain at hooker as Jeremy Marshall King is still battling his shoulder injury. For the Panthers, they have named a very similar team to the last game before the bye, which beat the Storm 34-16. Sorry to remind you of that, Gabby. The only difference is the bench with Sonny Luke and Jamin Salmon replacing Zach Hosking and Tyrone Peachy. Scott Sorensen has been named even though he injured his neck in that game against Melbourne. Um, I know they have three full days to recover, but it's almost as if they haven't learned anything from Cleary's injury. Um, They've got four Origin players set to back up after that. Uh, I think compared to all the other teams, they should be fine, like it is Sunday afternoon, but still going a bit risky there. Jerome Luai is set to play his 100th game, so I'm sure he is going to be just as fired up and hungry as ever, someone that I would definitely be watching out for. 
Um, yeah, and Nathan Cleary is listed in the reserves as he nears his return from hamstring injury, but I'm in doubt we'll see him just yet. Um, I don't know, maybe another couple of weeks. Um, yeah, Dylan Edwards is currently leading the comp with the most run meters per game, and the Panthers as a whole are leading the comp in possession and set completion rate. So the Dolphins will need to be really strong um, in defense, and they'll probably have to rely on Kafusi, put a bit of pressure on the Panthers, and hopefully maybe force some errors. Um, it's going to be a pretty tough game out there for them, um, overcoming a lot of a lot of odds stacked against them, I guess. But I think if they are nice and strong in that defense that we've seen in the past, yeah, they could really ch- turn the ge- turn the game around. Even though they had a strong start to the season, they haven't won back to back games lately. They have won both of their games at the stadium, though. And while they have only won two from nine games against current top eight sides, I do feel like, as I said before, they have a bit of a habit of getting unexpected wins against strong sides. So. They just love a good upset, and yeah, I love a good upset too, so I really want to tip them. I don't know if that makes me stupid or a genius, but I guess we'll have to wait to see on Sunday night. You've nearly convinced me to go to the Dolphins. <laughs> you sold that so well. Like You literally, the whole time I was like, yeah, yeah, Penrith, easy Penrith, like top of the ladder, how can you go against them? You literally have me now in so much doubt. I don't know what to do. I think. Well, you know how bad my tipping's going, Gabby, so ignore everything I just said. <laughs> I'm really concerned with, I don't even feel this concern with any other team but Penrith with their players backing up after Origin. I don't know why. It just makes me feel like, yeah, like you said, um, have they learned anything from Cleary's injury? But again, like, Luai wasn't picked. He's going to be fresh. Jack Cogger's playing really good. I, I don't know. I think I will go Penrith. Well, Penrith's won four of their last five matches. Yeah, Penrith, easy then. Done. Yeah, and and um, Dolphins have won one of their past five matches. Yeah, yeah. Penrith. <laughs> Sorry, Em. You're nearly so going yeah. smart. What about you, Lainey? Are you going to tip with your heart or are you going to use your brain like Gabby? <laughs> I like the Dolphins. They, they, they are a bit of an older team. You know, they, they have really shown... Um, a bit of resilience this year, probably not as much as others, but you know, I'd like to, I'd like to see the Dolphins win this because it's at Redcliffe, but in front of a crowd that I think will be out to support them in big numbers. I think they only have about ten thousand seats at the stadium, which will probably only be filled with, um, with all the locals. But uh, I don't, I'm not convinced that the Panthers players are going to turn up for this. Just a feeling. Nothing, nothing about it. Brian sort of played really well on the weekend. I mean, like last night. So did, um, yeah, so did Yo. So did Crichton. And what, they don't have Cleary? I'm, I don't know. This feels to me like like if the Dolphins were going to try and steal a win, this is the time to do it while it's on their territory and while the team's a bit tired, feeling a bit of muscle fatigue. So. I guess you could say it's a pity. I guess you could say it's a pity tip. I'm going to go for the Dolphin. All right. Thank you, Emma. And the final match of the round is between the Parramatta Eels and the Gold Coast Titans out in Parramatta. And the last time these two sides met up, it was also on a Sunday, and the Titans took the victory with a two-point margin. Sunday football tends to be quite entertaining and a bit of a thriller. Gabby, 
can the Eels recover after their loss to the Warriors last round? Or with the Titan, will the Titans be looking to prove a point following their la- their loss last round to the Dolphins? Both teams just oh, this is this will be tricky. Both only two points separate the Eels and the Titans on the ladder, and they'll be fighting for places in the top eight. And we've been discussing the ladder this whole episode, and these te- two teams will be fighting. Um, both of them are coming off losses, and they will both be welcoming back their Origin reps for good. And these teams have been probably hit the hardest in the Origin period in terms of yeah their players and coming off rough losses. And as you said, Laney, the last time these two teams met was in Magic Round and the Titans got the victory. But Parramatta have actually won their past seven head-to-head clashes prior to that Magic Round victory that the Titans got. So this will be interesting. For Parramatta this week, all three of Brad Arthur's origin reps have been named to play. So Captain Clint Gutherson is back in the number one jersey and this shifts Sean Russell to the wing. The return of Mitch Moses to the halves sees Ryan Madison move back to the bench. And after making a successful injury return via the interchange last week, Sean Lane has been named to start in the second row, and that bumps Andrew Davey back to the bench. For the Titans this week, they welcome back Maroons forwards, Big Tino, Fasul Malawi, Potawaka and Fafida. They've all been named to back up after Origin 3, as has AJ Brimson. So that pushes Jaden Campbell back to the bench and Chris Randall back to the interchange. Unfortunately, Jamin Jolliffe and Joe Stimson will both miss the match after suffering injuries against the Dolphins last week. I read something that Jamin Jolliffe will be out for up to four weeks with a hand injury. So that's sad for Titans fans. Um, But I think with a full strength side this week, Parramatta can probably do it against the Titans. As you said, Lainey, they had that loss against the Warriors. That would have that would have shook something up for Parramatta. I think they we touched on it last week that they're starting to look like their 2022 selves as late. But yeah, that loss would have reminded them that they need to hold on. And I think they can make a comeback this week. I think with their origin returns, they will bounce back better than the Titans will. Um, but yeah, Emma, what do you think? Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, we know Clint Cutherson's not going to be tired from Origin. The Titans, yeah, they they're a wild team because I feel like they've just they've been really seemingly good and then bad at other times. Like it's just I don't know they're so unpredictable. But um, some of the Eels, like they can just do the weirdest, just have a terrible loss and then come back and they could turn around and put sixty on the Titans this week. Who knows? I don't see that happening. Um, I think it'll be a pretty close game, actually. Um, and I think it's a smarter bet to go for the Eels. Don't really want to, but I think I'm going to have to. I think in the same as you, Emma, it, it, it feels like it's going to be an Eels win comfortably over the Titans. <laughs> oh, look, I'm going to tip Titans because I'm going for an upset this round. It may as well be. there. <laughs> And you know what? It's the last game of the round. We know how crazy Sundays have become. This could yeah. this could be one of those crazy games. It really could. Like I, I wouldn't be surprised if either of these teams came out and won by a huge margin. But, but I think Titans are going to try and come out first half and score as many points as they can. And I reckon Lufiana Khan Pereira is going to be the guy to try and um, get those points um, on the board. And Tanner Boyd to convert. 
And there you have it, everyone. That is our show. Thank you so much, Gabby and Emma. It's always great hearing your thoughts on the game each week. And a special thanks to my 11-year-old nephew, Salamo, who has a promising sports research career ahead of him. To our listeners, we wish your team a great round of football with no injuries and no suspensions. And thank you, too, to our listeners for tuning in. We truly appreciate your support. We hope you can tune in regularly. And please feel free to tell a friend about our show and help us to spread the word. Until next time, take care of yourself and each other. How popular is your podcast? (laughs) Can you cut that out? (laughs) Fire to the flame. Uh, Please, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs>